Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we are going to have an absolutely fabulous program today. I love it. I say that every time. But we do. We just always have fabulous programs because we have fabulous guests. And one of my favorite things is when we have international guests. And we're really hitting all the spots today because not only is my guest normally living in Australia, we're actually recording this while he's in Romania. So this is just very confusing to me. Uh, but anyhow, please join me in welcoming Walt Bayless to our program today. Welcome, Walt. Thank you, Deb. It's so great to be with you. And I guess, you know, uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but mm-hmm. being able to travel the world and, uh, and, and see what the world has to offer, along with my two kids and doing that sort of thing as well, still while running a business is pretty darn cool, I have to say. Right. You know, and, and I love it when we're able to talk about stuff like that because, you know, anymore, so many people, if they have access to the Internet, they can work from wherever they need to. And, yes. you know, that's one of the coolest things about technology. Yeah, so true. And and we're, we're living, breathing examples of that. We've run um, incredible launches of, of new products and that kind of stuff around the world where we've been in, in the most rural of settings where you just wouldn't have imagined, you know, people still pulling water out of the well, but we've got a satellite dish running our, running our internet and, uh, and everything ran smashingly. So yeah, there's lots of fun. Right. You know, and, and of course, one of the challenges for a small business owner is actually turning it off. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Oh. We we always think, oh my gosh, I have to read that email. I have to respond. I have to do this. I have to do that. And it doesn't matter if we're on vacation. And that is part of that whole. It, and and I've stopped using the term balance. It's not a work life balance. You know, you mm-hmm. have to integrate all of those things. And especially someone like you, who is a stay at home dad, and and you know, we'll get more into that in a bit. But you know, there's there is a work time and there is a not work time. And especially when you're on vacation, you know, which, of course, I say that very ironically because you are on vacation right now as we're recording this program. Yeah, it's funny. Like you mentioned a work-life balance. I did a talk a little while ago, and I think I I probably uh, got the idea from someone else. Like we all do. You know, we have great influences and people that that speak to us. And uh, this this person, I I believe, uh, I echoed it back on stage saying, you know, the the work-life balance thing is – is something that people strive for, but they really shouldn't. Because to me, what it says is, you know, if you if you look at a balance beam, if you look at, you know, you have that point in the middle, and then something that's at balance, it's kind of wobbling between both ends. Right. And what I find is that nothing gets done. Right. Whereas what what I learned from from that particular talk, and and what I echo now is, have your work life balance, but do it like all on one end. And then all on the other end. So in other words, you know, when you're working, work. Just right. do what you need to do mm-hmm. and, and get everything done that you need to do so that when the kids come home or when it's that time to to uh, to, to throw a football or when it's that time to, to whatever, put a fishing line in the water, whatever it is that's, that is your time, when it's that time, you have no guilt about that because you know that you've done one end of the balance beam with all your heart and soul. Right. And now you can do the other end of the balance beam with all your heart and soul and and that gives the, the, the in inverted commas, balance. But if you try and juggle them, I think you're going to be in perpetual uh, um, instability. Right. Yeah, you're, you're teetering back and forth. And as you said, you're wobbly because, you know, the second, <coughs> excuse me, that you try to do 
a little bit more from the work side or the personal side, it, it does throw you off balance. So yeah. I love the concept of, you know what, you just go for it. You're on one side or you're on the other. Now, is there some creep? Of course. Of course. <laughs> but, you know, it is one of those things where, you know, we really do have to, to start remembering. And, and maybe it's thinking back to when we actually worked in physical offices. Yeah. And there really wasn't, you know, unless you were an executive, when you clocked out, when you hit that time clock, when you did whatever, you you even mentally turned off for the day, you know, and, and you went home, you were with the kids, you, you know, you did whatever you did. And then the next morning when you ching clunked, you know, clocked back in, you were back in work mode. And as entrepreneurs, as small business owners, we think, you know, and I laugh. I always tell people, you know, there's only 28 hours in the day. And we're working, you know, all of them. It, it can't work. Um, you know, I recently talked to a guest of mine who was talking about how especially women tend to get really frazzled um, because we do try and do it all. And, and, we, and we don't know how to say no. But, of course, you know, that happens with men, too. And the best thing we can do is to say, you know what, this is my personal time or, you know, kids, you got to wait. This is my business time. Yeah, very true. And, you know, I think um, one of the questions I get asked a lot, Deb, is like um, when people find out that that we run a multi-million dollar company from home, people always ask this question. They always say, so how do you how do you stay motivated? <laughs> and, you know, what we're, what we're saying is, you know, there's when you're when you're deep in that entrepreneurial trench, you know, the, the, the opposite question actually should be true. It's like, it's not how do you stay motivated? It's like, how do you switch off? <laughs> like, right. how do you stop that email? But, you know, you mentioned when we work in physical offices, I think, you know, something that I see more and more every day is that people, they, they have their smartphones with them, they have their, you know, their email at home, all that kind of stuff, and it never stops. So I wonder if there's many, uh, I don't know, ways that, that it can be done. And I know there's all those kind of techniques, you know, there's all the check your email between uh, six and nine right. and do all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But I heard one the other day that I just absolutely love. I am, uh, <laughs> I'll put it, I'll, I'll put it out. I'm the world's biggest fan of outsourcing. I am the world's biggest fan. Um, I've created, I've created amazing products and, and had uh, incredible things happen where all my total involvement has been asking somebody else to do it for me. And cool. the, uh, and, you know, and I love that because it means that lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people are getting work. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they're, they're feeding their families and they're doing their thing and things that we can live our life. But So this was the amazing thing I heard the other day. I want to see if it resonates with you and with the people that are listening. So one of my, uh, one of my incredibly valuable people in my team is, is um, my personal assistant. Her name's Janine. Mm -hmm. Now, she was actually uh, the one that uh, tapped me on the shoulder and says, hey, you've got to be on Deb's show because uh, you know, her audience are exactly your people. So I listened, obviously, and I said, hey, great. So Deb reached out to Kim, your producer, and mm -hmm. here we are. So, um, sorry, Janine reached out to Kim. So Janine is, you know, one of my favorite people in my team. She she really does a lot of work for me on the uh, on the PR front. And uh, somebody actually uh, passed this across to her, and she sent it to me. How is this for an idea? So so Janine, as I said, one of my favorite people. She works incredibly hard. Her cost to me, and I don't want to put a dollar value on a person, but let me say the services she provides costs me six hundred and fifty dollars a month. Okay. So that's, you know, it's it's really not a big deal, right? Right. right. If she so, was a full-time employee, that's not even a week's salary. No, exactly, exactly. And she does so much amazing work, and that money is really valuable for her in, in, in where she is. She's based in the Philippines. Okay. Um, 
And and so Janine said, how about this as an idea? And she fronted it across my desk because one of the other people in her office did exactly this for one of their clients. They they took over their email from 6 p.m. at night until 6 a.m. the next morning, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't respond. They didn't, um, you know, they kind of filtered through and deleted the right. junk and just that kind of stuff. And it wasn't seen to be a full-time role because it wasn't something that required a full-time person. You don't just sit there staring at the inbox right. hoping something, something comes in. So it was kind of like a, a two or $300 a month solution, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what this person did was if something required immediate attention, they would text message the person. Yeah. So what that allowed this colleague of mine, this friend of mine to do was completely switch off after the first couple of weeks until he got used to it, right? Oh, completely hard. switch off mm-hmm. from six till six. And now if there's something that, oh my God, the world is burning down, he gets a text message and he's able to jump in and deal with it. Right. But in other, you know, for the whole rest of the time, he knows that there's nothing burning down and he can relax. So the email is still being handled. It's still being looked at, mm-hmm. but for I, let's call it 500 bucks a month. He's got peace from six till six. Right. How's that? I love that. You know, and, and, and it's funny because the celebrities, the really important people, you know, <laughs> they have personal assistants who do that for them. Yeah. And, you know, so why shouldn't we as a small business owner think, you know what, we're worth that too. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, you know what, if you don't think you are, ask your partner right. or ask your kids, Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I would, I would hesitate to guess that they'll probably front the money for you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a, it's such a, it's such an amazing world of opportunity where you can, you can really have so many people helping you build a business that it doesn't need to rest on your shoulders alone. Right. You know, and it is about making those boundaries and, and, you know, and yes, there are times where something happens or, you know, there's an opportunity or something Absolutely. and you have to cross those, but you know, it's, it's interesting. I typically, you know, I'm, I'm here in Atlanta and yeah. a lot of business associations and they all have evening events. I very rarely go to them. I could go to one every night, but I don't, you know, I don't even usually go to one a week. Yeah. I don't like them for, you know, I just, I just don't like them in general. So, you know, if I liked them, it would, it would be different, but that's my home time. You know, that's yeah, sure. when I'm, now am I checking emails? Am I still maybe work? Sure. But I'm home. Yeah. And uh, the uh, I love the National Speakers Association, but they meet on Saturdays. Wow. And I have told them, I said, no, nope, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. That is my time to be home. And they have given me the, well, you don't take your career seriously enough talk. And I had that from other people, too. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I take it as seriously as it needs to be. Yeah, that's it. Am I missing opportunities? Sure. But at the same point, you do have to have your your priorities. And that is very hard for a small business owner, especially Uh, if they are the primary breadwinner. And especially if they're, I I think especially if they're just starting out, Deb, you know? Oh, yeah, you are thinking you have to work 28 hours a day. You know, when, and there's probably part of my story, which I'll I'll happily share with, with your listeners, like, you know, the, there's the time when you're just getting started when, honestly, you need 28, you need 30 right. hours a day and, and you just have to do everything. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like I think I think what we can do and what we can all do is is structure that business in such a way that absolutely the momentum needs to be behind it when you're getting started. Mm-hmm. But set that up in such a way that you can quickly, and I mean probably within a year or two, step back into a, a less uh, demanding right. time and, and not impact the business in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned outsourcing work. I have two virtual assistants. 
And I absolutely love them. You know, Kim, my producer, is obviously a virtual assistant, and we've had her on the program talking about that. And it is something that it's it's hard because, yes, that is money going out the door. Yeah. And everything that my virtual assistants do for me, I could do myself. Yeah. <laughs> but I need to be spending my time doing what I need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and not, you know, doing the, the things that they're doing for me. You know, other people, obviously, you know, many people outsource their their financial stuff, you know, getting your taxes done, you know, all of those various things or legal. You know, and it's funny, yeah. we, we kind of think, oh, well, I, I shouldn't outsource my email. Why not? Exactly. Do you know, I had um, um, I had an analogy uh, a while ago about the Rolling Stones. It was like the uh, the Rolling Stones did a tour, I think, and uh, their entourage was something like eighteen semi trailers oh. and you know four hundred stage crew and all that kind of stuff. And and so these these amazing semi trailer uh, tractors would roll into the stadiums. They'd spend six or seven days, you know, working twenty four seven trying to set up the stage, mm-hmm. and uh, you know this amazingly intense production crew and then right at the hour the limo would rock up right Mick Jagger would get out uh-huh. sing for sing for a couple of hours and get back in the thing and he's the one making the millions oh yeah. yeah so then you know when when you're talking to business owners like you like you do each one of those people needs to understand they are the rock star mm-hmm. and they are the rock star and there's plenty of people out there that are busting out and would 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 fall over themselves to help you set up the stage you just got to get up and sing you know what, Walt? I realized I didn't even tell people your bio. So let's let me pause a moment. We just jumped in because we were having yeah. so much fun. So let me let me give folks just a little bit of knowledge about you as to why we're even having this conversation. Sure. So Walt Bayless has developed a multi-million dollar software company as he's worked for himself for nearly a decade. He works from home and he's a full-time dad to his two daughters, and he has structured his business to support a lifestyle. Walt regularly talks on stages to business groups and entrepreneurs, and his overriding message is one that each of us has the ability to do something amazing. And that's exactly what we've been talking about. Walt is also a second degree black belt in Taekwondo and proof that achievement is simply a goal and a series of steps. So, okay, so now we can jump back in because now we've told people why (laughs) you're so good at what you do. Um, (laughs) But, you know, speaking of that, why do you do what you do? You know, what what got you, I don't even know if you ever were in, uh, you know, and and you're in Australia, Romania, wherever the heck you are right now. (laughs) But, you know, here here we leave corporate America. Yeah. So, you know, were you ever one of those nine to five dudes? Yeah, I was. No, you know what? I was was the employee that every boss would honestly wish they had because i i was in at seven in the morning i was going home at eight at night like i was working weekends i was i was absolutely 100 percent dedicated to my job and um incredibly uh driven by that you know and and i got to travel a little bit with my job i got sent across to london uh as the general manager to set up the london office and that's where i met my amazing wife um and uh, so she met me when i was that when i was that corporate uh driven guy you know so I was on a, I was on a pretty good salary. I was on for in Australian standards, probably in the top, I don't know, five or ten percent of salary earners, and um, doing doing really well. Like you know, we were you know, money was coming in, but obviously I was never home. That was just part of the deal, right? So, um, but what changed for me, Deb, was when my daughter was born, and uh, my first daughter, her name's Nastasia. Um, she was born, uh, well, nearly ten years ago. So that's how I know that it's been nearly ten years that I've been doing this. And um, so what happened was, you know, here's this corporate driven guy, my wife's pregnant, 
Um, I've, I met her in London, but she's Romanian, hence us being here. Oh, okay. and, right. So um, I dragged her halfway across the world to this remote, isolated island called Australia. Mm-hmm. And um, she basically is pregnant with the first baby coming along and no support, no help, no, right. you know, nobody to, to be there as a, mm-hmm. as a supporting, helping hand. So anyway, I was gallant enough, and I'll underline the word gallant because it's sarcastic. I was gallant <laughs> enough to take two whole days off work Ooh. as my daughter was born. And um, uh, what was really, it really struck me like an, a knife in the ribs was when I went back to work. So I, I went to the hospital that morning and I took croissants because that was what you do. And I took, you know, nice fresh croissants to my wife and I kissed that beautiful, tiny child mm-hmm. um, who was, you know, <laughs> a foot and a half long. Right. And, uh, I kissed her on the head and I went to work and I, I got to the office and honestly the desk and the, 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 the office and the, my name on the door and all that sort of stuff had been my drive for so long. Mm-hmm. And I remember it so clearly walking in that morning and it felt like I was inside of a shell. I was just, you know, what the hell am I right. doing here? Yeah, and so, so that little, little that baby was, was your world now. That was the start. Like I didn't. You know, I didn't expect that to be the, the pivotal catalyst, you know, and it, it probably took a little while after that for me to, to feel like a father and to understand what fatherhood is all about and all that kind of stuff. But I didn't expect it to feel like that. And I, walking into that office, I honestly just was like, why, why, why is this that I'm doing here when I should be, I should be there, mm-hmm. you know? And so it all began. I started looking for different ways to, to, uh, to build things and we, we came up with good ideas and um, I people always ask me, we run a multi-million dollar software company, but I know nothing about software. Uh, people always ask me, oh, do you write the programs? I'm like, no, man, I'm not that clever. I just ask other people. I let them know, I, I let them know what my ideas are. Mm-hmm. They make it happen for us and, and uh, you know, magic happens. So it's been a fun time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love that you're still obviously very successful. And I think that's what so many business owners and entrepreneurs are afraid of, you know, they're, they're thinking, how can I still bring home as much money as we need, you know, and, and whatever level that is for folks. And, and, you know, you have lots of employees, consultants, people who work for you, all those various things. So, you know, the, the multimillion is probably not quite going in your pocket, um, <laughs> but you know, it is one of those things that people are afraid of, you know, that how can I make enough money? to get there you know to and and it is tricky you know and and i love what robert kiyosaki says deb i'm sorry to cut you off but he Mm -hmm. he says you know started on the side right Mm -hmm. and i did exactly that so we started you know working the corporate job um but i I was then staying up until three or four o'clock in the morning um i was uh doing trade shows on sundays when i was not working in the other job just to just at that beginning time just just at that start Mm -hmm. until we got to the point where and it was about eight to 10 months into the business when, when going to work was costing me money. That was, right. we were able to sustain a double life mm-hmm. up until that point. And uh, was there crossover? Yes. Yes, there was. There was, there was times when I shouldn't have, but I, I was answering a, my own business email from work office and I was trying to juggle everything right at the end there. You know, there was starting to crossover. And I, I honestly, I remember coming home and, and talking to Magda and saying, um, going to work is costing us money. And we had to kind of look around and say, well, then now's the time. And it was, right. it was an easy transition rather than, rather than just, you know, cut it off mm-hmm. that income because you need it. You need to pay your bills and your medical and all that kind of stuff. Right. 
you know, and if you do that, it, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Oh, it is. It is. So start it on the side. Mm-hmm. You know, and as you said, a big part of it is how you set it up. Yeah. You know, and, and for so many people, and it's funny because I look back, I started my business, oh, it's been over 20 years ago. And I did the same thing. You know, I set it up on the side. I did it evenings and weekends. And I was talking to a business coach. And, and the one thing that she told me that really struck, she told me that until I had to make it work, it was a hobby. Nice. And, yeah. you know, and, and it was like, oh, you know, and then and then I still didn't, you know, immediately jump. It was like, OK, you know, is it a hobby? If so, that's OK. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, you know, and. And so it is in how you're setting it up. You know, do you have you taken, you know, just basic things, the, the legal steps to form that company? You know, how, you know it's amazing what that does for you. Like it's right. you, even that step of getting a business, getting a website. Like mm-hmm. it, it is those little tiny steps that cements it into reality. Right. You know, I've, I've talked several times um, on the program about my nephew back in Colorado who um, people had been hiring him to do little um, things on the side where he was doing drywall and, and things like that. And he's very good at it. And then he decided, you know what, he needed to set that up as a business. He thought that he could do that. Smart kid. I mean, you know, he's in his early 20s, and I was so proud of him because yeah. he told me that he hadn't yet started working because he was still working through the legal process. Wow. Part of what he needed clearly was very different level of insurance than what yeah. a lot of people have. But he knew he needed that insurance. You know, he it was fine when he was painting or drywalling for a friend. You know, something happened. Oh, ha ha. You know, you laugh, you buy him an extra beer. But you know, <laughs> if you're getting paid to go in and something happens. You absolutely have to have that insurance. And yeah. so he was doing the insurance. He was, you know, uh, going through the secretary of state and registering as a business and all of those things. And it was funny because he, he wasn't sure what he was going to call his company. Yes. You know, and, and, and he was taking it so seriously. But he didn't make that jump until he had everything lined up, Super. Um, you know, and 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 that it, sometimes that is the problem with a, a small business owner or an entrepreneur. You might be forced into it. You know, you got laid off. You, you know, you quit, whatever. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to do this. But you absolutely have to take those steps. Get it set up legally, you know, and have a business plan, you know, have a marketing plan. All of those things which we laugh and we cross our eyes at. But, you know, at least have those goals in mind. You know, how do you know you make your goal if you didn't set it? Yeah, sure. um, you know, and, and, and think about, you know, what is your support staff going to be? All of those various things, because until you take it seriously, nobody will take it seriously. And it's always, it's a fun thing to look forward as well. When you're thinking about your, your support structure and how's your company going to be looking like if you're a solopreneur, like if you're, if you're somebody that works, you know, pretty much for themselves and, and maybe has one or two support people around you, if you are looking to grow that, it's fun to just kind of map it out. Okay. Like if I was a hundred million dollar company, this is what my business should look like. I should have a V of this and a VP of that. And, you know, just map it out. Like honestly, taking, taking that little step will Mm -hmm. cement another peg that shows your 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 seriousness about what you right well and then explore those avenues because you know a lot of people will think well that sounds nice but it costs money yeah well, you know that's when you find investors you know all these various things um and and it's, it's the the only limit is yourself i mean is basically the easiest way to put that yeah, definitely. And and get out of your own way. Like if you if you have that drive that that I want to do something more, honestly get out of your own way. Like just write it down on paper what it is that you want to do. 
put it out there in terms of getting it onto sites like Freelancer or, you know, a billion of other sites that are out there. Let the, the other people who want to do the work do that. While you go back and doing your daily life thing, like right. get out your own way, get the idea out there into the world um, and don't, don't dwell on it because somebody else will release it. I promise you that. Right. Um, <laughs> did you know, Deb, did you know I invented eBay? How about that? You did. Oh. I and you didn't you didn't release it fast enough. Exactly. I I mapped it out. I had it written down. It's going to be this auction system and whatever, whatever. I even went to a friend of mine. I said, "How about this?" She said it was great, and you know we were going to do this thing together. And then like six months later, eBay launched. <laughs> and you know, and and that is you know, that is is so true. There's no unique ideas. You know, just as I tell people, there's no stupid questions. Um, you know, there's there's really not a unique idea. Obviously, variations of. But yeah, you know, and, and, and it's funny because a lot of those you look at and, and they, you know, they look, you know, totally wild. I mean, who would have yeah. thought that online auctions or online stores would ever be popular? Because we like to shop, you know, we, we as women, we like to go into the stores. And sure, you can never sell shoes on the internet. Right, <laughs> no, I, and, and all, groceries, how on earth could you sell groceries that's, on the internet? You know, and, and of course they started with books. <laughs> you know, Amazon was smart. You know, you you could buy a book online without having to touch it and feel it and you know do all those various things. And then of course they expanded. And and I'm sure that along the way people were saying that is the craziest thing. Nobody is ever going to want to do that. That's it. And the important thing is they kept going. And if it didn't work, it didn't work. I mean, you know, there've been all sorts of things. I mean, you know, when was it? Several years ago that Facebook created its own smartphone. Yeah, and that lasted what, like six months? I mean, if yeah. it's been that long, spectacular fail. I think they collect his items these days. I know, you know, <laughs> and and so, but they they tried it, you know, and and it could have just as easily been extremely successful. Do you know, Deb? It's funny because you know, as entrepreneurs, we we talk about this this thing called stickability, right? Like we. Mm -hmm. We say you, you've just got to keep going. You've got to right. push through, and then and then you hear of amazing companies and amazing stories that are nothing like the the original idea because mm -hmm. the the business owner, the entrepreneur, the 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 intelligent people behind it got to a point at some stage where they said, "Hang on a second, if we continue down this path, it's not going to lead to the you know the end result that we want." So right. let's. And, and the term in, in the software world is called pivoting. Let's pivot. Right. Let's, you know, the startup world is the same. We say, let's pivot. Let's, let's change our direction massively. And what, what's really funny is that um, Nokia, who pretty much are out of business these days, but Nokia started out making gumboots, making rubber boots, oh. and then became a phone company, right? right? They were not successful as a rubber boot company. Mm -hmm. But as a phone company, they, they had most of the world locked up. Like, and obviously, they were overtaken by the next guy and the next guy. But... Oh. The the interesting thing, and I, I have done it many times in my career, in my business, where we've literally come to a point and said, okay, hang on a second, whoa, 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 whoa. this is not going the way I want it to, so let's do this instead, and let's mm -hmm. change everything immediately, and uh, and that can be scary and oh, expensive. Very scary. And expensive, but the thing is, I think as a business owner, we talk about this thing called stickability, but I think, you know, or, or um, what's the word for it that we, we teach the kids? Resilience. Resilience. Yeah. You talk about you know you just just don't give up and just keep on going with it. There that has to come with a caveat, and mm -hmm. that that how do you say caveat or caveat? That caveat, caveat. <laughs> caveat that caveat has to be your own intelligence. Right. Right. And there, there's got to be a and maybe there's books and studies that people have done about it. I'm not sure, but there's got to be a difference between 
I'm going to keep going until the lights turn off mm-hmm. rather than, hang on a second, I'm smart enough to realize that that's not going to give me the end result I need. Maybe if I go over this way, it will, mm-hmm. right? But you never give up on the dream, the dream to be uh, successful, the dream to have better life, the dream to have all of that stuff. But the method of getting there might change along the way. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have to adapt as time does. Um, you know, and, and obviously technology. We laugh about the fact that you know we're we're in in multiple countries here. You know, look at Kodak. They're probably one of the biggest examples of a company that refused to change. Right. You know, and and if they had said, okay, how can we get the technology so that people can print online and still have high quality? You know, sure you could print at home, but that's going to fade and blah blah blah. You know, how can we do that as opposed to we're going to just keep doing these little film in these little metal containers? <laughs> and we'll be successful at it, you know, and, and technology just ran them over. Yeah, exactly. And so for, for anybody listening right now, if you think that your idea is crazy, you know, look and think to yourself, is my idea crazy or will enough people in the world think that it's amazing and right. it just suddenly takes off? Like, uh, I think there's a, an amazing book by uh, Peter Thiel, who was one of the founders of PayPal called Zero to One. He talks about he talks about that idea, that idea that really goes from from a zero starting point. Nobody's ever thought of it before to a one, which is just like, wow, suddenly it's in existence. That's it. And what he talks about in the book is, you know, you the next Facebook won't be a social media site. The next, um, you know, the next iPhone won't be a pocket held computing device like the next thing in the next genre won't be something that exists now. So if you're if if you look at something and your idea is just crazy enough. But here's the kicker, that enough people will go, wow, if it's in existence, then damn, get it down on paper and start thinking of how you're going to get it into the world. Right. You know, and you look at some of the things that people have made millions of dollars with, and I just scratched my head. You know, the yeah. pet rocks, seriously. Wow. You know, and, and I don't know if, you, if they had pet rocks down in Australia, but <laughs> that was a phenomenon. And it's been oh, maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe even longer ago than that, where people made millions of dollars selling rocks. Absolutely. That they had painted faces on. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, children's craft projects is is basically it. And you know, and and some of the other things that people, you know, smushy face dolls, and you know, and you're like, really, that is the ugliest thing in the world, but it made millions of dollars. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and so, you know, don't look at your ideas is what we're saying and think, oh my God, nobody's ever going to buy that because if you thought of it, obviously somebody else might be thinking of it too, but you thought it was cool. So somebody else is going to think it's cool too, yes. and and then hopefully those those people would think, ooh, we will spend money on that thing. Not even Facebook covers the whole world. Right, right. You know, <laughs> not even Facebook. So whatever you think your idea is, if it's just just edgy enough, it's going to have enough of a marketplace to make a difference for you. And you know, again, another lesson that I've learned along the way is even if you get. A, a decent amount along the path and you don't want to do it anymore if your business has got some zeros behind it you can sell that thing so right. you know if you if you've built something and it's a squishy face doll and you're like you know what i really don't want to be the guy that brings squishy face dolls to the world you know put it up for sale because i can guarantee you if it's got some zeros on the income and it doesn't have to be eight zeros it can be just some zeros mm-hmm. then you'll have to buy and enough seed capital to then go into the next one so whatever your idea is get it out into the world because you'll it'll either it'll either go or it'll not go and either right. way you'll, you'll be better off for knowing right yeah because hopefully if it you know it, it for things that don't go you learned why yeah, did exactly. you not have the right financing the right marketing the right whatever okay next time we'll do better exactly this is this is what we learned along the way 
Speaking of squishy-faced little dolls, you know, we've, we've mentioned the fact that you are a stay-at-home dad to yeah. two absolutely gorgeous little girls. And one of the things you did was you created a children's movie for them. Tell us about that, because I love that idea. Uh, so I think um, what we're referencing there is is uh, making the kids' movie about uh, all of the positive things around us and in life. Is that the one you mean? Um, yes. Yeah, so we basically we, – we put things together and uh, – um, you know, it started with it started with something simple, Deb. It started with a playlist from iTunes that um, uh, that we used to play on on drop off to school, and okay. the school drop off was like thirteen minutes. So the playlist didn't have to be very long, but mm-hmm. um, we ju- I just wanted to make sure that they started the day with the right kind of message, and that's where this that whole project started with. And it was um, it was basically just getting great music. It was uh, Megan Trainer, Good to Be Alive, and mm-hmm. um, Katy Perry, uh, Your Firework, and that kind of stuff. And it was like. My, they're little girls, right? So it wasn't ACDC. It was um, uh-huh. even, even though I, we play ACDC on the way to Taekwondo now. But um, so it was uh, it was just happy music, and that's where it started from. And we basically then we put together uh, a um, a series of brief, um, I guess, snippets of of little videos of inspirational things where we we uh, were telling a story about um, growing up and about how life can be different, and we we showed the. Um, the way of making choices, basically one choice led down that path and one choice led down this path. And, and we just created this this little uh, short video for them where we could we set it up. They watch it. They watch it. <laughs> they still watch it every now and again. I, I come out and it's on the Apple TV and they're playing it. Through. But, um, you know, just some uh, nice comments from people about making choices in their life and about the way that they can change the world and all that kind of stuff. And it just I think that being a dad is, uh, you know, it's an important job. And it, it's, it's one we only get at one shot, and I really want to do a good job at it. So, yeah, that was just a way of us being able to put something together for them to 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 get into at, at their level where mm-hmm. they could have the right message where I'm trying to – I talk to people on stages and that kind of stuff and try and rev them up about what they can do with their life. And that can start at six years old, you know, and mm-hmm. they can go to school feeling like they're making a difference by, you know, doing the right things and by being nice people in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and – it is so important. I'm, I don't have kids. And so it's funny because I have, I've actually had people tell me, well, you can't talk about this because you haven't had kids. I'm like, well, that's <laughs> me. You know, I, I was a kid and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm I, hopefully paying I, I attention to things. Are. <laughs> right, right. You know, and, you know, to, to be that positive influence, um, you know, I remember many years ago, I worked with a woman who didn't read, you know, and she could read. It wasn't that she was illiterate, but she didn't read. It just wasn't something enjoyable to her. And but she was telling us that her her children were falling behind in school because they weren't reading. Mm. And, you know, and and without trying to be, you know, miscritical, I said something about, you know, trying, you know, setting an example for the girls. You know, and, and, and I told her, I said, I don't care what you're reading, you know, newspaper, which, you know, that was when we actually still really had newspapers. Um, Or I, I said, you know, even, you know, shoot trashy novels. You know, the fact that you're reading yeah. shows them it's important to read. And, you know, and you mentioned music. I mean, you know, how many times have we heard somebody in your, you know, they're playing uh, something in their car and maybe it was just on the radio. So they really didn't have, you know, the control over it aside from turning it off. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, those words and their kids are in there. And oh, eek. <laughs> exactly. And it, it's it's so true. But I think the influences, like the the little tiny subtle influences that we all that we all have everywhere, um, you know, the only 
the only control we have is our ability to change the channel, if that makes sense, you know, just mm -hmm. to change to change what's coming in. And, and yeah, we, we just need to make sure that we're giving the right message, not only to the kids, like to ourselves as well. I, right. I, think, I think one of the things that I, I talk most frequently about to people is their own feeling of self-worth more than anything else. Like talking about changing the channel, this is like your own internal monologue because I think that I've come across personally in my life more than anything else is people – have that kind of underlying thing of I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And I, I, that's, if it was any passion of my whole life, that would be to, to grab people and say, do you know what? Without you, without you, the world isn't complete. Like if you right. take one tiny piece of a circle away, you don't have a complete circle. So mm -hmm. without you, we aren't complete. So mm -hmm. don't even for a second believe that you're not important because right. I, I, you know, I, I think to myself all of those times where people, have something burning deep inside of them and they go, oh, it's not really, it's not really my place or it's not, it's, you know, it's not, it's not something I'm, I think I could do. I just, you need to know straight up that it takes 30 seconds of blind courage to ch achieve amazing things. Mm -hmm. And if you can just say that to yourself, whenever you're feeling scared, it takes 30 seconds of blind courage and just do whatever it is that you need to do for 30 seconds. I think your life would be amazingly different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we've said, it might not work out, but you never know until you try. I mean, you know, there's the, the Michael Jordan, Jordan quote about how many shots he missed. I love to that. To make the, you know, and, and, you know, all of those things. You know, anybody who is successful, and I don't care if that means that, you know, they're they're pulling down $1,000 a week, you know, or 100 if that's what they need. Or, you know, the multi-gazillionaires, the celebrities, all of those people, they failed. At, you know, and they've probably failed multiple times yeah. in order to be successful. Yeah, dead right. Absolutely right. And, you know, I think um, uh, your audience are, are our kind of people, you know, the entrepreneurs, the business owners, the people who are, who are looking to step forward. And, and for each of you, you know, a pat on the back and a, and a big support on the move forward because without you guys, the, the next step, the economies, the, the breakthroughs, the, the people surviving cancer, the, you know, exploring new planets, all that kind of stuff wouldn't happen. So right. just we love what you do, by the way, mm -hmm. and keep on doing it. Right. You know, and, and as you said, if they weren't doing it, th there would be a hole. Yeah, exactly. know, Would we know there's a hole? Maybe, maybe not. But there'd still be a hole. It's like those coffee filters, you know, you don't see that there's a hole, but there's enough of them that things get through. And right. so that, that'd that be the message, isn't it? Like without you, there'd be a hole. And if enough people um, don't chase what they think they should, then the holes get so big that things just fall through and we end up with nothing, nothing left. Right. You know, and, and I, I love this conversation because it is about being motivated and, and taking those steps. And, and, you know, we've talked about the fact that you, you know, you have to put things in place. So let's kind of take a little bit jump forward because you have actually developed some software products that are great products to help people, you know, with their businesses. So give us just a, a quick little, little rundown of some of the products that you have. Yeah, sure. Um, we created all of our products, uh, I guess, from personal need. You know, like you're saying about the the squishy face doll. If you think it's a great idea, mm -hmm. other people will as well. I've right. all the way through uh, in our in our business life, we've looked and seen where we said, you know what, there is something out there already, but it doesn't quite get where we need it to be. We need it to do A, B, or C, and so we've gone out and built it. So at the moment, I mean, we've we've sold a few of our, our programs along the way. Um, but uh, at the moment, our biggest project is uh, a platform called Gojeo, which is dot uh, mm -hmm. com, And that is, um, I guess, the world's contact manager. It sits above Facebook. It sits above LinkedIn. It sits above Twitter. 
interest. It's above your email. And it becomes one central dashboard for managing all of those things. And uh, so you can do, you know, you can pick up an email from somebody and, and uh, reply to it with a tweet, add a to-do list and, and check off your tasks, um, add something to your calendar. And it kind of sits above all your other social media because there's so much noise. There's so many ways of, of people reaching you these days that, A, things get missed. And B, you get lost in the jumping between them. You know, you, you check Facebook for a message and then you jump across to LinkedIn, send an email, and it's 20 minutes later before you get back to the, to the right. document that you had open. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole world is like that, exactly. So we build Gojo specifically for that. But we have some other platforms as well. We've got a reputation management software called RepWarn, um, which basically exists because I saw firsthand where small businesses were getting um, uh, trashed online from reviews. And in most of the cases, the reviews could have been a glowing review if somebody just knew about it. Like, you know, hey, I was down at Joe's restaurant and, the, you know, the service was terrible or something like that. Um, if Joe knew about that comment, he would have been able to speak to the person and say, hey, I'm sorry you had a bad experience. Come and have a glass of wine and, you know, uh, I'd like to make it up to you. But because Joe doesn't know that that review exists, Joe's restaurant's just suddenly, you know, closing the door six months later because everybody's Googling and seeing it on TripAdvisor. So um, we created this, the app called RepWarn. Um, specifically for monitoring comments online about anything. I mean, we've got it set up to monitor our kids' names and our school and our local shop council. And if somebody says something about one of those things, we get an alert on an app and, you know, we can we can deal with it. Um, so that's great for small business. We have an, an online presentation platform, which we call Webinar Geo, uh, which has done, been built literally to uh, compete against WebEx or, you know, go to meeting and any of those. Um, and the only reason that we built it, this is, this is a typical entrepreneur's answer, I, I was annoyed about having to pay so much for my presentation software. Um, so instead of paying $400 a month, you just made your own. I spent $400,000 and built my own. Um, <laughs> such a silly thing to do. But anyway, that's, we've now got an amazing platform there where we, uh, where we offer that for about 40 bucks a month and you can present to, you know, hundreds of people online at one time. So that's all cool. But you know, all of those platforms have been leading up to GoGeo, And I think, um, um, as we move forward, GoGeo has become, I guess, the passion project because it'll reach the most amount of people. Right. You know, and, and it, it's funny when you were talking about your reputation software, I was remembering, and, and I, this is, you know, for for everybody that is listening, no, this is pre-recorded, it's not live. <laughs> and, and so, you know, the last couple of days, I have seen this and I've seen it multiple times, which is why I'm, I'm thinking of this, on Facebook, where a bride was at a hotel and wrote a bad review. Right. And got and then all of a sudden had an additional four hundred and fifty dollar charge on her credit card. Wow. And they've been trashing her. Wow. And and that has gone viral. And of course, you know, whatever she did and you know, may she may or may not have deserved that. But everybody is trashing that hotel. Wow. Um, you know, and, and it's like, oh, you know, you, you guys could have handled that so differently because they really should have done exactly what you said. They should have reached out and said, you know, Betty, Jane, whatever her name is, we're so sorry. Exactly. You know, what can we do? Because, of course, brides talk to other brides. Hello. Uh, especially um, in today's age of social media, and especially in the fact that all the, you know, the brides and their friends get married at the same time. That is the world's worst mistake. Right? <laughs> Yeah, See, like, and, and it was just one of those where I read it and I thought, holy cow, yeah. um, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe the charge was valid, you know, and, and, but now, of course, it's this whole finger pointing thing, yeah. because even if they said, well, you know, we forgot to charge her or, you know, they did this, or the, it looks bad, 
you know, and, and so should they have eaten the 450? Probably, you know, to, because, and I, I mean, it's just really one of those things. And you see that all the time. I have clients who tell me, well, I don't want to set up a Facebook page because people are going to say bad things. And my response to them is, if you think they're saying bad things, they probably are saying bad things, and don't you want to get ahead of it? Yeah, absolutely. We have, yeah. we have a, um, a, a brand uh, called Kmart in Australia, and they have a, a Facebook page, and I think there's 300,000 um, Kmart shoppers on, mm-hmm. you know, it's Walmart, Kmart, same family, I think. Right, right. And um, uh, one, of, one of my good friends, actually, is a um, high-ranking executive in Kmart, and I was having dinner at his place one time, and uh, he pulled out his phone and he opened up to that page where he was pointing, and we were talking about the reputation management thing, and he pointed to a particular article on, his, on this page where, you know, somebody had bought these plates from Kmart. Mm-hmm. And they scratched really easily. So, like, they were black plates, but, it's, you know, as you cut anything on them, they were scratching. Uh-huh. And, um, there's so many people were jumping on and saying, oh, it's so bad and so poor quality and so whatever and so whatever. And you scroll down and scroll down and scroll down, and there it is. About 50 comments down is one of the purchasing people uh, from Kmart jumps in and says, hi, everyone. Thanks so much for the feedback. We've immediately removed those from our shelves. Um, please make sure you bring them back into the store and we'll get it. And uh-huh. I just – how amazing is that where you can have that this is a terrible product and oh my god you guys are awful and somebody with the right training or the right um thought pattern can jump in and say let me fix it for you and suddenly the problem goes away and everybody goes wow i love those guys Mm -hmm. well and probably the vast majority of people didn't take them back no exactly they went oh well i could have but you know i don't have the box and i don't have the time and yin 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 but i could have so yeah, yeah. Okay. it was there for me. It was my fault that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, it's not the the vendor's fault. So, you know, for any small businesses out there, get ahead of get ahead of of what people are saying about your company, and remember that no matter what you sell, it's still you're selling it to a person. And I, I love the I love the comment where um, uh, somebody gave me a quote the other day, which says, "Statistics are people too," you know. Right. And it took me a while to realize what they were saying. Like that little that little notch on the graph that you're looking at to show your P and L, uh, that's a real person. And right. if you make them feel like a real person, then the, that little notch on the P and L will probably grow. Statistics are real people too. I like that. Right. You know, and and I think that is one of the things that people forget is we have target markets and target customers. Yeah. And, you know, and 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 no, those are people. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, you were talking about webinars. I do webinars, and I I'm not fond of them, but of course they're cost effective. You know, all these various things. You can reach people, you can record them. You know, all those various things. But the reason I don't like them is I don't get feedback. Yes. So I'm not not seeing the people. I'm just like talking to myself. And and you know, I've I've shared this before. It is the absolute stupidest thing in the world, but it works. I have dolls that I put in front of my computer monitor when I'm doing a webinar, and I talk to them. Wow. Is that is that wacko? Yes. But, you know, it and of course, it's not, you know, like some fluff. It's it's a doll that looks like, you know, it's it, one has a, a, a briefcase. I mean, you know, these are dolls that are representing the people that I'm talking to. And, that, and so it, then I'm able to keep in mind that's who I'm talking to. That's really cool because, you know, the inflection in your voice and the, the passion you would have would be so much different right. talking cold. That's great. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I mean, I, part of webinars, I'm always thinking, is there somebody there? Have they all yeah. gone away? You know, so at least I have my dolls. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, they, if nobody else is entertained, they are entertained. Everybody's right, right. You know, and, and, and I don't even have to pay them to be entertained. So that works well. Yeah. 
Do you know, I, uh, I, I had a business coach a little while ago and uh, he had uh, a, a daily sort of tweet and a daily email and a daily uh, you know, video blast that went out. And I said to him one day, you know, aren't you worried that nobody hears it? And he said, no, because, uh, it, you know, the right people will hear it at the right time. Like it doesn't matter. Nobody's listening. I'm saying it really to get my message across. And it's all on the web anyways. Like, you know, do what you need to do. And somebody will stumble across it in three years time and mm-hmm. the, the wisdom won't have changed. You know, and, and that's what I love like about my radio program because I archive every single one. And some of the ones that are the most listened to programs are several years old. Um, you know, so we've got evergreen content and, and people love it. And I like that because it means that we're providing content and guests that people like. How cool is that? And so there's a tip, guys, if you're listening, all right, go through Deb's archives because it's full of gold, right? And tons of good stuff. There you go. Tons, tons. Go and get well, it. You know, we've, we've got about 10 minutes left, and, and so I want to talk a little bit more. You know, one of the things that really interests me, you know, we mentioned the fact that you do business in Australia. Yeah. Your wife is from Romania, so you travel there fairly frequently. Your virtual assistant is in the Philippines. How do you pull together, you know, this, this outsourcing team? Yeah. Because, you know, we've heard of Fiverr and, and you know, all of those various things. And Fiverr definitely has its place. Right, right. So, but how do you pull together this team that is, is I'm assuming, truly international? Oh, yeah. So how do you work with them? Do you know, it's funny. I, I wrote a blog post a little while ago um, where I talked about my most productive day. And, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those, you know, one of those days that when you just go, oh my goodness, if every day was like today, I would have solved, I would have cured cancer. I would have invented, you know, flying cars. Like this is the best day of my work. Mm -hmm. It was one of those days. And I I just had to write down because I was done. I was done on that day by Mm -hmm. 9.45 a.m. And I had the most productive day. And the, the thing that made it the most productive is that I reached out to my head of programming and I said, you know, do ABC, this, 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 make sure this happens and cover that. I reached out to my head of support and I said, okay, I want you to cover this. Please shoot this video. Please reach out to these people. Da, da, da. I reached out to my head of PR. I did the same thing. I reached out to my head of advertising. I did the same thing. I reached out to my graphics guys and I said, hey, listen, can you change the ads and, you know, whatever. I reached out to my launch manager and I just let him know about some new dates that were coming up. And literally by 9.45, I was done. But I had reached so far into my business that it was amazing. So how do we pull together that sort of team? I think, I think what the, the, the way I do it personally, the way I do it personally is I, I have, obviously I've all my to-do lists and everything on, on GoGo these days. I used to use Asana, but then we, we moved everything over to GoGo. Um, and I have my to-do list broken basically into the categories of people. So if I say, you know, okay, project A, what do I need within Project A? I need this, 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 and this. Okay, so now I have what I need to do within Project A, and then I literally go through that list again and say, right, who can do those things? So, okay, give this to Fred, give that to Joe, give this to, to John, whatever. And how do I keep the how do I keep the team of people, um, I guess, on path and doing what they need to do? I just kind of map out what each one of their responsibilities are, and I. Right. And I chat to them regularly. So the fact is that our time, the fact that our time zones are so upside down sometimes works in my favor um, because when it's daytime for me, it's nighttime for them. So I literally, I go through yesterday's tasks and, and everything that's been done so I can go through and say, okay, so this was done in our PR, this was done with ads, this was done in programming, this was on support. So I can go through without really too many distractions and then I can pretty much issue my thoughts and my instructions out. And I guess um, I have a good friend, his name's Nick Halleck. He's a very, very successful guy, and he he runs 
when I say I run multi-million dollar software company, he, he laughs because he does that in a week. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he's at that next level. And uh, right. what amazed me about Nick was I was talking to him about this very subject and he said, I talk to five people, that's it. Wow. And and I have very much adopted that. So we've got 18, uh, 20, probably 22 by now, but let's say 18 programmers in my just in my mm-hmm. programming and development team. But I talk to one person. Right. Right. They talk to their three people that they're in mm-hmm. charge of, and those three have their teams that they're in charge of. But I talk mm-hmm. to one person. You know, when we look at our, when we look at what I, I would determine as our front, uh, front facing area of our company, which is all of our, our marketing messages and all of our support and um, all of our, uh, our graphics and all of our content that, that's getting written, I speak to two people, even though there's probably 10 in that team. Right. Mm-hmm. So pick, I guess, uh, my my answer my answer to that would be to pick your lieutenants, mm-hmm. pick your lieutenants and make sure that they are capable. And um, when they are, reward them handsomely and uh, keep them close. Right. Well, and of course, the key to all of it is good communication. Right. You know, you don't just tell them, "Oh, I'm kind of thinking that I want this software to do this." You know, you you tell them more detail, you know, yeah. clearly. Yeah. And, you know, and, and same with, you know, I've, I've talked about this with, with my virtual assistants. I don't just say, okay, say Kim is, is a great example, my producer. I don't just tell her, hey, coordinate the program. I went through and I said, I want you to do this and this and this. I created <clears throat> a job description. <laughs> and And it's funny because I've had virtual assistants in the past that I didn't do that with because... I wanted to give them freedom. I thought they understood. Well, I'm sorry. If I was working a nine to five job and my boss said, you just kind of do whatever you want, I'm probably not going to accomplish yeah. their goals either. <laughs> no, absolutely right. Absolutely. But you know, it's funny. Like, uh, I, one of my first jobs out of school was working in a cafe and I got promoted into a supervisor and um, I got shuffled across to the next highest level restaurant in the chain. And uh, I went in there as a big shot, Kim, and, and I made the biggest mistake of all. Like, there was all the intrinsic staff. There was like 35 staff that had been there for years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I came in as the hot shot manager. Oh, and, dear. And I made the biggest mistake of my career where I literally, mm-hmm. I steamrolled over everyone. Mm-hmm. I went in as the hot shot, like, right, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. We'll change that. We'll move this over here. We'll do that. Da, 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 da. And I lost, not only I lost some key staff, which was tragic, but I lost the trust of those key staff. And it wasn't until a very brave uh, supervisor, whose name was Karen, who I'll always be thankful for, grabbed a coffee from the coffee machine and brought it into my office, closed the door and said, I need to talk to you. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, and I said, uh, sure, go for it, you know. I've got an open door policy. I didn't. I, I was a steamroller. I had no such thing. Right. Anyway, so she came in and she sat down with me and she explained exactly what had happened in terms of good people, great ideas on the front line and you've come in with all of this stuff and you haven't actually respected mm-hmm. any of them. And I've gone, oh my God, thank you so much. And from that day forward, like as we talk to the team, you know, I might say to our PR guys, like, okay, I really want to handle this area and cover this. And da, 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 da. What do you think? Because it's so important to get that back. Like some of our right. some of our great ideas in our programs have come from our developers or our project managers or our designers who have gone, yeah, but right. I think you should probably do it that way because of A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm I'm really famous in the company for saying um, there's always a way. Come back with an answer, but right. 
I, you know, so if I'm, if I'm absolutely, we are going to make this happen. And the, and the first response is, ah, that's impossible. I'll say there's always a way come back with an answer. Right. Um, but at the same time, if people say, Hey, hang on a second. Well, before you go down that path, how about A, B and C? Like mm-hmm. that lesson has been well and truly learned. Like make sure you're listening to the people because they really do have valuable insights. Right. You know, and they could come back and say, well, sure you can do it. At this cost, yeah, you right. know, and, and all those various things, you know, I had a client that, that, you know, wanted me to do a project for them. And I said, that's out of my knowledge base. You know, I said, so I could hire it done or we can rethink the process. Yeah. And she rethought the process nice. you know, because it was like, OK, well, I really didn't want that done that way. But I gave them options, you know, and, and that's what we always have to do is give those options. You know, somebody might come to you and say, hey, well, we've got a great idea for a piece of software you know, we'd like to work with you. Okay. Well, you know, here's, you know, all these various things, but yeah, it's, you know, the, the second that we are set in our ways and we can't do it that way, that's when we've lost the battle. Yeah, definitely. And I think as we, as we come up to the, to the closing point, Kim, it's really, um, it's something that, uh, you know, if you if your listeners take anything, you said we, you gave your client options. And I think Mm -hmm. from a business owner, from an entrepreneur, that's our true, job title. Our job right. title is a solution finder, right? Mm-hmm. And the bigger problem you can solve, the better business that you'll have. And I think, um, you know, for all of us, if we, um, what's the famous quote? I'm trying to remember who said it, but um, it was like, uh, if you think you've exhausted all the possibilities, just remember this, you haven't. Right. I think from an entrepreneur's perspective, from a business owner's perspective, always remember that there's another way, there's another solution, and it might not come mm-hmm. from you. It might come from the, the greater society. Put the feelers out there and find it because right. you have the skills as the entrepreneur and the business owner. You have the skills to make it happen. You might mm-hmm. just not have the um, the insight to have the right answer, but once you get that insight, you can make it happen. So there's always another way. This has been absolutely fabulous. So tell people how they find you and connect with you online. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So uh, waltbayliss.com, that's W-A-L-T-B-A-Y-L-I-S-S.com is uh, is my personal website. And uh, you can also find me on Facebook. So it's facebook.com forward slash Walt Bayless. Um, follow me there and uh, on Twitter as well. Um, lots of my messages on Twitter and Facebook are coming from our PR department. Um, but you- <gasps> It's not you. It's, most, yes. it's about a 50-50 mix. But um, uh, please jump in and follow me there. And uh, I would love, love, love to hear from you. And um, wish you all the best and success in your own entrepreneurial journeys. Perfect. Well, and, you know, as, as I've said, you know, check out Walt's website. There's tons of great information there, lots of great projects. You know, I look forward to hearing more about, you know, what's what's coming from you in the next year or so because, I, it's just going to be exciting, you know, and, and plus I want to hear more about your daughters. I, I just think that's very fun. And and what a fabulous example that you are setting for them with both you and your wife. I mean, you are just showing them that they can do whatever they want. That's, you know, that's and that is so critical. That's it. Absolutely. They sure can. And so can so can anyone stepping forward. Great. Well, I am Deb Creer. I have been having a fabulous time talking with Walt Bayless. And until next week, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour. Hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.